We're talking about Scientology. No, we are not talking about Rush Limbaugh. If you want to hear about that, you can go to every other station on the dial and liquid ambient, audio ambient, if you will. Instead, what we have for you this second hour, if the first hour didn't spook you enough, we're going to do a deep dive into one of our guests here, Jefferson Hawkins, who was really responsible, and I said this during the break to him, and not to rattle his cage, because uh, it sure has been rattled enough by the church, but he was responsible both pre- and post-David Miscavige being the CEO of Scientology for coming up with a lot of the marketing campaigns. And so why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, how you sort of climbed the ladder and when you were finally in that executive mode, was it more about how do we get as much money as possible? How do we sell as many books of Dianetics as possible? Or was it really still making it seem as though there was a higher purpose? Well, uh, for me, there was always a higher purpose. And uh, and I enjoyed the books. I thought they were good. Um, so I was interested in getting books into people's hands. And I ran a campaign in the 80s with the volcano exploding and all that sort of stuff to sell books. And we sold probably millions of books. Millions. It, it went on the New York Times bestseller list after 50 years and so forth. So we sold a lot of books. I got a lot of people into Scientology. And um, as I describe in my book, it was actually David Miscavige that got rid of that campaign because he was not really interested and still is not interested in getting millions of people into the church. He's interested in corralling a small group of the faithful to pay him a lot of money. That's his game. And one of my major disagreements with him was that I wanted to, to sort of mainstream the subject as the Mormons have done to some extent. Sure. Drop some of the most more abusive practices and make it into a more mainstream kind of almost a self-help subject. He didn't want that. He wanted the opposite direction of more and more central control fewer people that were more controlled and lots of money coming to the central church. That was his game, and I objected to it, and this is what we battled about for years, really. So tell us about, now, L. Ron Hubbard passed away in 86. 86, and I recall watching, if not the first official speech to announce that from Miscavige when he sort of took control over the organization, correct? Mm Mm-hmm. And it seemed right off the bat this guy was ready. He was prepped. He had some sort of vision in his mind, maybe exactly what you're talking about. But where were you when this went down? Obviously, it was a major event within the church. And did it separate right away with people saying, who's this guy, Miscavige? Or, of course, Miscavige is the guy. Well, you know, we were told that he was the anointed successor. Well, first we were told that Pat Broker was the anointed successor. Then there was a power struggle between Broker and Miscavige, and Miscavige won out. And then we were told that Broker was a fake and the true heir to Hubbard was Miscavige. And pretty much everybody went along with that, um, and those that didn't were gotten rid of. Anybody that challenged his authority was kicked out of the church, and that's been his operating basis uh, from the beginning, he'll either uh, uh, suborn people or kick them out. And he's been doing that consistently now since he took over. Okay, now let's go back to the first time you sat down in a meeting with David Miscavige. 
and how that relationship developed because it obviously from the interviews that I've seen about you turned extremely violent at some points. It, it did. And I wasn't aware of this side of him uh, until I actually was physically located at the international base in San Jacinto, California. And I moved there with my marketing unit in 89. And at that point, I started becoming aware of how really sociopathic this man was because he ruled with an iron thumb, he ruled with threat, and he, this got worse and worse and worse. And after the year 2000, it started going just severely downhill. And in 2002, I was in a meeting with him and he, he didn't like the answers I was giving. I had presented, I, I had written an infomercial script uh, and I'd worked with some pros in the business and they liked it, they thought it would sell product. And I had a track record too. I had written one before that had sold about 40,000 units. So I thought I was on solid ground. Sure. He didn't like the script. He didn't like my attitude. He didn't like my facial expression. And so he leaped across the conference room table physically and battered my head and then knocked me on the ground. And this was my first encounter with his violent side. Well, I mean, what did you do at the time? I'm just thinking here. I, I've worked at major corporations personally. I've worked for Fox for years. I've worked at Yahoo for years. I was telling you, a Silicon Valley veteran. Um, I've had panic attacks before meetings because I had to go in front of people to deliver bad news, but never, ever. <laughs> I mean, they have little videos on what you're not allowed to say and do when you get hired at these places. They're pretty anal about it. Right. This is insane stuff. So this guy physically attacks you in front of how many people? I would say 40 people. 40 people? 40 people. That All the top executives of Scientology. And now some of those people have since come forward. We yeah. know this to be true. Uh, Rathburn and uh, name some of the folks here. Uh, Mike Rinder, Rinder uh, Amy yep. Scobie. Um, I, I was actually knocked backwards into her office since you remembered that. Uh, so, yeah. These yeah. were people, if you're listening, uh, and do your own research. Don't take my word or Jefferson's, but you, you should, uh, that were in the top echelon of Scientology. They weren't little people. Those people got treated, are being treated as we're talking right now. And that's what was so important about that Debbie Cook uh, clip and her coming out recently. Because to me, if that's happening to her, if she's being kept in a place called the hole, tortured. Yeah. Well, this is torture. There's no other word for it. Um, am, I, am I right or exactly. am I going overboard here? Exactly. No. I'm it, not it, trying it. to sensationalize this. This is absolute torture. And I'm sitting here wondering, we were talking during the break, um, where is the Justice Department? Why is Miscavige able to elude these people? Now, I heard, a, I heard a rumor, Mark, you might know if this is true or not. Somebody tell me that when Obama came in office, one of the eight things, I don't know why it was eight, uh, one of the eight things was to investigate the nonprofit status of Scientology. Have any of you heard about that? No, I know there was a petition uh, on his website to investigate the Church of Scientology. And I think we had to get 5,000 signatures. Oh, that stuff's a bunch of crap. The White House.gov stuff. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Okay, so that makes a lot more sense. What I'm saying here on this program, and no one seems to have the answer, and I don't expect you to, is that there are people within the Beltway that these people must own. Miscavige must have his claws in certain folks within the hierarchy of our government 
to be able to elude prosecution and shutdown of what's going on. Mark, wouldn't you agree? Well, I mean, that's certainly an assumption that's easy to make. I, I think the problem is probably less the, the politicians that Scientology controls and more the fact that politicians just aren't interested in looking at it. But they're interested in paychecks. They're interested in massive amounts of money. I mean, for crying out loud, they'll go after Willie Nelson, but they're not going to go after the Church of Scientology. Are they also afraid? Willie Nelson is probably easier to take down than Scientology. Yeah, yeah physically, I mean, Scientology, yeah. <laughs> Scientology took the IRS, brought the IRS to the to its knees. <laughs> you know, they got their tax exemption through massive lawsuits and lots of intimidation, uh, and and the IRS called Uncle. No one is really interested in taking them on here. Back in. Um, I, I lived for a couple of years in Clearwater, Florida, which is a small town that Scientology kind of took over uh, back in the late 70s. They own it. And the, <clears throat> well, they don't own it, but, but they, they pretty much have the, the run of the place, or, or have had for many years. The mayor at the time stood up to them. His name was Mayor Gabe Casares. He was a, a really terrific guy. He took them on, and it was uncovered during FBI raids during that period, that Scientology had set him up uh, 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 on hit-and-run charges. They had plans to take over the city, something called Project Normandy, which detailed all of these nasty covert actions they were doing uh, and placing people inside the government, inside the newspapers. And the mayor and the police department went to the state they went to the federal government and said, help us, and no one would. What, what the people would say is, are they going to come after me? Um, it's a religion. I, I, I'm, I'm keeping my hands off of it. That's the thing, I'm though. It's, is it, we go back to it's a religion. No, that's not a religion. That's a mafia. That's something right. to be afraid of. We talked about this before. I'm not supposed to be doing this show. I'm going to get in trouble. Well, I had three talk show friends tell me to stay away from this one. These are guys who cover conspiracy. Are you kidding me? No. Yeah, and absolutely and, and, not. And the more and more people who stand up, the easier it is for somebody to take action. There's well, only one politician in the world right now that I know of who's got the balls to actually take him on, and he's in Australia. Senator Nick Xenophon is actually making a difference there, trying to. Uh, strip them of their tax-exempt status, trying to help the people who are being abused by Scientology. But, you know, no one here is willing to take them on. And there's so many huge problems in the country right now with, you know, our our finances and everything else that's going on that really no one's going to pay attention to Scientology. So Scientology knows they can get away with it. Well, we do know um, that they are supposedly being under uh, investigation as we speak for human trafficking. Is that correct? Have you heard about that, Jefferson? There, there was an investigation, and I don't know where it stands right now, but uh, I gave them what information that I had. Yeah, I mean, there is a massive amount of information we're not going to be able to get to today. Uh, everyone here on this panel, including myself, knows that there are so many intricacies and stories of abuse— but I want to get back to Jefferson when we come back and go back to that boardroom, what that must have felt like, and how he actually was able to leave. Not an easy thing to do. Talk about guts. We're going to do that. We're also opening up the phone lines right now. You got something to say? 
Well, get on the phone, sayers and doers. 503-248-0620. This is Matt as Hell in America. I'm Jesse Singer. Welcome back. Last segment coming up here. We're talking about the Church of Scientology. Things that you might not think of in your busy day. That's my job, to bring you things to think about. That's what I do. While you're working, sheeple, you don't look up, you can't look left, just keep your eyes focused. Sometimes we'll let you watch South Park. Sometimes we'll let you watch Leno. Maybe you'll catch... I don't know, one of your political shows that you think is racy. Well, this is different. We're talking about some incredibly criminal activity going on within a so-called church. And we have some incredible guests today, one in which is a man who is making a film about all this. And he needs your help. And I'm going to let him have a couple of minutes in a minute here. But we got a caller who's been on the line for a while, and he wants to chime in. He's in Portland. Let's get him on the line here, hopefully, if I push the right button. If I press the wrong button, we're going to blow up the station. So here we go. Uh, Rob, are you there with us from Portland, Southeast? Hello, Rob. Understood. Okay. Let's uh, see if we can – we'll try to get him back in a second. Oop. Uh, Rob, are you there? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. How are you? Welcome to the show. What did what did you want to add to the conversation? Okay, uh, well, this was back, I think, in the. Well, there's a little time delay. Anyway, I this is back in like the late. Yeah, 70s. if you could uh, just shut your radio off or turn it down. Okay, one second. Okay, this is back in the late seventies, and I was uh, downtown Portland, and this cute young gal came up to me and. Again, I think she asked, she asked me if I wanted to take this personality test, right? So I said, okay, sure, what the heck. And uh, <laughs> took me into this building and, uh, you know, walked me through this area and sat me down and gave me this test. But I just got a really gut-level uh, creepy feeling, you know, just, you know, just and I tried to, you know, uh, you know, tell her that, Hey, you know, I just, uh, I changed my mind. I want to, you know, leave. And she was kind of, you know, not real overt, but it was. Rob, Rob t- try to come to a point here, brother. I'm trying to, I'm trying to focus. I, I know about the personality tests. I know it's kind of weird and all that stuff, but w- what are you trying to get to here? Okay. Sorry about that. That's all right. It's just live okay. radio, brother. All right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yes, indeed. And, uh, it just occurred to me that, you know, uh, is there, are the techniques of Scientology really that different? I'm being somewhat tongue-in-cheek, but okay. are they really that different from Fox News and the right-wing extremists, you know, the Republican Party or the U.S. military? See, that's a great question. I love that question. Jefferson, Mark, Jefferson, you take that one. You're the, you're the marketing whiz. Is, is this, <laughs> how much different is this from lobbying the lobbyists 
or the politicians making sure that you give them tons of cash, especially since the Supreme Court just opened up the floodgates. Great point, Rob. Yeah. Well, it's it, it's all about uh, information flow and, and limiting information flow. And I think uh, as any uh, buddy in the radio or media knows, uh, if you can slant a story a certain way, if you can limit people's access to certain information, then you can control them. And I think Scientology has that down to uh, an art because they convince uh, their, the faithful that, you know, you can read this, but you can't read this. You can listen to this, but you can't listen to this. And they have complete information control in on the people uh, who are following Scientology. So they can, they can, you know, warp the opinion in any way they want. Well, I think the caller, it took him a while to get there, but I do think he makes a good point. And then... Uh, to Scientology's defense, I think we need to chime in here for a second. And this is something I want you both to respond to more Jefferson than Mark, really. And then I want to get uh, Mark a chance to talk about his film. Um, it seems as though a lot of people who leave the church still believe in the science of it, that the technology is valid, that there are things about what they learned, the techniques and such that have made them a better person. And to me, that is a direct uh, problem. Uh, it's, a, it's a direct problem for me to try to make sense of all this when you hear the Xenu story, then you hear the lies, then you hear the abuse, but yet the technology is sound. How do you make sense of that? Well, I have a lot of friends who, who kind of believe that way. and uh, Debbie we, Cook does. Yes, and we've had a lot of interesting discussions, and in fact, I, I ran a blog for a couple of years where we discussed this back and forth. I'm not a believer in Scientology anymore. Okay. But there are people who, uh, who claim that, well, I had some benefit out of it. I learned how to communicate better, mostly the beginning-level stuff. And they say, I got terrific benefit, and therefore I still believe in it. Well, you know, I don't care what somebody believes or doesn't believe as long as they're not abusive, as long as they don't abuse people. Correct. Uh, anything like that. People can believe what they want to believe, so I try to be tolerant of it. Um, but... Uh, you know, people are going to believe what they believe. And a lot of people coming out of Scientology, it takes a while to get the onion layers peeled off. But do you actually think that there was valid information that Hubbard just was able to create? I mean, most people come to me and say, look, this was a science fiction writer who uh, came out of the Navy and didn't have much success as a writer and then started this church based on science fiction novels that he had written. Um, I could be totally incorrect here if I am, you know, fill in the gaps. But how does that create a science and a technology that so many intelligent people and people that I'm a fan of? Again, it's it's so difficult. We were talking about this. I love Tom Cruise movies. I don't care what you say. Born on the 4th of July. Genius. I love Mission Impossible. I love Travolta. Pulp Fiction. Awesome. Beck. The guy rules. I love him. And to me... Bart Simpson. I love Bart Simpson. <laughs> I don't want him to be a Scientologist after hearing about all this terrible stuff. So it's it's this really difficult thing. And, and we can see how they're using these stars as pawns. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And most of what these people are talking about is the lower level stuff, how to communicate, how to listen to somebody else, listen to their problems, how to help people study how to help people get off drugs. All of this, this is what they're talking about. All of this kind of benign, lower level uh, material that I don't know that anybody can really argue with it. 
Um, but it's all, you know, Hubbard borrowed it from everywhere, from Freud and everyone else. So he did borrow technology and theories and, and Yeah, and kind of concepts. mushed it all together into his own There's mix. nothing wrong with that if you think about it and you look at religion in general. They all kind of begged and borrowed and stole from each yeah, other, right? Yeah, and, and I think that if he kind of kept it on as a self-help subject and didn't introduce all of the science fiction into it, it, it might be a totally benign subject going forward in time. Okay, so that's a really good point and let's bring let's let's think about this for a second. And you were pre-miscavage and post. Mm-hmm. Beaten up in that executive board meeting. Now let's go back to that. Uh, I guess my first question to stay in line with with this discussion point here is that if miscavige didn't take over the church, what do you think it would be like today? Would you have left? You know, it's hard to say. Um, you're making you were making a good living, correct? You were, you I were was flourishing. Well, I, I was I was doing okay. I okay. mean, I was being fed and housed, and I felt that I was doing some purposeful activity. And like I said before, my aim and the aim of a lot of people involved with the church was to push it in a direction of being more socially involved, more uh, involved with the community, kind of mainstream it. That never happened. If that happened, had happened, I don't know. Maybe I would still be there. Yeah. But uh, it didn't happen. It went in the direction of an authoritarian, abusive cult. And at that point, a lot of people are just getting out of it because it no longer makes any sense. Most of the people who are leaving, from my knowledge base, it seems as though it points back to the top and Mm -hmm. this one gentleman. Yeah. Okay. Now let's go back to the first time it happened. You must have been totally blown away. I mean, I mean, get granular. I mean, you just got hurt by somebody in a board meeting. Yeah. Usually you're allowed to go to human resources and say, take this guy <laughs> down. Hello. Or I'm going to sue you and I'm going to live in Vegas for the rest of my life. What now, happened? Yeah, You know, you're you're not informed of any kind of rights like that. What I was told at the time is that it was my fault. Yeah. What'd you do wrong? What did I do that right. pissed him off so much? And, you know, uh, I should feel terrible. So I got put into these confessional sessions for weeks after that. You know, what what uh, c- crimes and, and bad thoughts do I have about David Miscavige that caused him to be so mad? When was the next time you saw him? Uh, probably a couple of months later. A couple of months later, and what was it like? Was it frightening? It, uh, it was always frightening after that. because, And I saw him over the next three, four years uh, beat up other executives. Um, he was always threatening or hitting or doing something, and everybody was petrified of the Closed man. fist. Uh, usually open hand. Open hand, slap. Slapping side of the fist, shoving, punched me once in the stomach. Knocked the wind out of you? Knocked the wind out of me. Very uh, painful. Yeah, and, and knocking people over. I got knocked on the ground two, three times by him, and I got attacked by others at his insistence. Were you surprised uh, when Debbie Cook came out and what she said? No. No, this is exactly what was going on. This is what's going on right now. Yeah, yeah, probably still going on. Let's take a break. we got to let Mark talk about his film because it's all in there. He's got everybody who's come out. All these higher-ups we're talking about. We're not talking about low-level people that just have an ax to grind. We're talking about people who have given up their lives for years to this organization and really still believe in its technology in a lot of ways, which is very interesting. When we come back, we've got one more segment. Of course, your phone calls are now welcome, as usual, 1-866-452-0620. You're listening to Mad as Hell in America. I'm Jesse Singer. We'll be right back.
Ah, uh, yeah. We're talking Scientology, Rage Against the Machine. Sometimes you got to take a stand, you know? Fear tactics work, don't they, George Bush? It's a great way. Political. You know, Rob brought it up, the caller, and you know, he made a lot of sense. It took him a while to get there, but hey, man, good point. Uh, what we're talking about is more criminal-like activity, and we've really just scratched the surface of some of the things that are being done to children, families, and other interesting, hor- horrific crimes. We're talking about families that are being broken apart. We're talking about children that are uh, in some locations in this globe where there aren't laws to protect them are being forced to work crazy hours doing what for the most part jefferson a lot of manual work a lot of you know uh physical label clean uh, labor cleaning filing that sort of thing right right let's make sure we've got mark back uh mark are you there we have mark back on the line okay let's let's try to uh, we're going to try to make sure we have him locked in before we go to our caller here that's fine. Okay. Uh, we're going to go to our caller here. We have a caller. Uh, sir, Paul, you're on the air. Yeah. Hi. I'm, I'm a protester of Scientology. I protest in front of the D.C. location. And uh, I was wondering, you know, uh, that, that building is the founding church, and it is really dead. There's really no new public going in there. And I'm wondering what Jeff Hawkins thinks uh, about, A, the protest movement, whether they've been effective. Also, if he's kind of getting any feedback from other ex-Scientologists as to whether the other orgs are as dead as D.C. is. You know, that's a great question, Jefferson. Uh, Anonymous and a lot of these protests, I have to be honest with you, some of the footage that I've seen is kind of silly sometimes. Well, it is. Anonymous is what it is, and they do a lot of, you know, silly stuff and dancing and, you know. Yeah. That type of thing. I think that the real value of Anonymous in early 2008 was to make it safe for some of the ex-Scientologists to speak out because they felt like they had more of a community. They felt like they had more public support. And it really emboldened a lot of ex-Scientologists to step up and speak out. And I think, you know, for that, I thank Anonymous. What about uh, Paul's question regarding uh, what kind of progress they've made and and some of their goals? Because... If we remember, uh, they had put out a YouTube video a number of years ago basically stating when they emerged with that infamous mask that they were going to take Scientology down mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that they knew the scoop and they were, you know, non-fleeting here. This was their goal. Yeah. Uh, do you think that they've made some progress? Oh, I think they very definitely have. I think you could just mark that on a calendar, uh, early 2008, as the, <laughs> the date when things started to uh, started to go south for the church. Yeah. Does that help, Paul? I, it does. Uh, I think that's great. I'm, you know, just, uh, just kind of my last part of that question is, you know, is what's Jeff's thoughts on what these orgs are looking like? Do you think they still got a pulse? I mean, are they... Are they Pretty much all staff at this point. Has he heard anything? Well, uh, I can tell you that, uh, you know, the reports that I get from all over the world are the same. These organizations are empty. And they say that that these are new organizations. They are not. They're the same organizations that they've had for the last 20 years in a new building. And in some cases, they have taken two organizations and combined them into one. So they're really shrinking from my observation. 
Good. Thank you so much for taking my call. Yeah. Thanks for calling. I appreciate it. And keep up the good work. Uh, hopefully we have Mark back on the line. Looks like we might have lost him. Uh, Mark, are you with us? I am. Okay, good. I wanted to give you some time to talk about, you know, we're going to change gears for a little bit. We, we spoke to Jefferson, obviously, about this man, Miscavige, who has been running the church now for how many years? Uh, well, since uh, really since early 82 is when he took over, and then he became the unquestioned leader in, uh, you know, 86, 87. Yeah, so I'm wondering, and I think your film, Mark, and that's where I want to uh, go here is, is to give you some time to talk about it, um, is, is that there's obviously a disconnect between the movie stars and some of the people who are being uh, told, I guess, I mean, you have to imagine that some of these people might get on the phone and say, hey, listen, I got to talk to David. What the hell's going on? I'm hearing some weird stuff here, and it's Travolta or it's, you know, uh, Kirsty or whoever. And and he's and they're able to chill them out so that they, they stop. And, you know, one of them really for me is, oh, he's been Ann Archer. I don't know why, but she seems so dedicated and sincere and smart. Same thing with Kelly Preston. And mm-hmm. you're just like, who's lying here? Are you insane? Are you that hypnotized, really? Is that what's going on, or am I stupid and I'm putting my faith in the wrong people? Mark, you've investigated this for a long time now. Does that frustrate you, and how is this movie going to hopefully bring some of that to light? Well, it fascinates me, for one, because you think, well, again, these are smart people. These are talented people. I'm, as you are, a huge fan of Tom Cruise, and you'd think they would look into it. But what happens is if they do, like any parishioner, if they go to the Church of Scientology and say, wait a minute, I heard something in the news. What's, What's going on here? Scientology will trot out a cover story that, to us, does not make any sense at all. But to them, those people who want, to see nothing but the good because they are getting their little benefits from it, they're unwilling to look farther than that. If Scientology tells them uh, black is white, all right, it's white. Um, you, you mentioned Paul Haggis before. You didn't feel he was doing enough. No, well, I don't. One of the things that Paul, Paul Haggis did was sit down and write a letter to about 15 of his celebrity friends, including Travolta and Ann Archer and, and uh, Kirstie Alley, and said, listen, this is what I'm finding out, and it's troubling me. They weren't interested in talking about it at all. Exactly. They, but uh, they have no problem going down to Haiti and flying Travolta's plane to save a bunch of kids or to help uh, people in, in, in dire straits. But within their own community and their own religion, uh, it's just, I mean, are they that hypnotized, Mark? I'm sure there are a lot of devout Catholics who will look at the priest's sex scandals and will try to apologize for that, too, when you just go, how? How can you allow this to continue? And yet it continues. Um, you know, the, the, these, the Catholic abuses have been going on for decades, and they'll likely go on for decades more. Does the government shut down the Catholic Church? No. These Scientology abuses have been going on for decade, decades, and... They'll likely be able to continue because no one's going to stop them unless it's the people. And that's where I think Anonymous has been a huge success. They, they may have put out that video back in 2008 saying, we're going to shut you down. And they may have thought they'd be able to accomplish that in a couple of months. Well, that, that clearly wasn't realistic. But what they and the Internet collectively has done is completely rewrite the game. 
Scientology used to be able to silence one person at a time. They used to be able to shut down a journalist, stop a politician who might be looking into them. Uh, you know, they, they throw everything that they had to, to quiet them. They can't stop the Internet. The truth will get out there. The Internet is the last stronghold of free information and the truth. Thank goodness it's there. You're exactly right. There's been a number of books on Scientology this past year, some good, some okay, but I think the Village Voice in New York doing a phenomenal job, and I still want to talk about this film a little bit more, Mark, because you need some help with it. When we come back, our last segment, if you want to call in, maybe we have time to take your call. We will definitely try to do so. 866-452-0620. We'll be right back. Welcome back to our last segment talking about the Church of Scientology. What an eye-opener it's been. My guests today are true heroes, in my opinion, freedom fighters. You know, it's hard to speak the truth, especially when you have a group of individuals as powerful as the Church of Scientology. I don't think people understand how powerful this organization is, whether or not there's some smoke and mirrors associated with it. The mental uh, state of how they're able to train people, the manipulation, the psychological warfare. Uh, we were just talking about it during the break. Uh, Mark, before we run out of time here, I want to give you some time to talk about the film and what you need and when it's coming out, where it's going to be, what's your vision behind it, what can we look for? Well, it's called Knowledge Report, and it's going to tell the uh, the, the entire story of Scientology, its beginnings and 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 now as it teeters toward its end. I, I don't believe we're going to shut down Scientology, but hopefully we can end the abuses. Um, I, I hope to make a very entertaining, exciting story that will be um, something along the lines of uh, a Michael Moore film or a Morgan Spurlock film, something that will be entertaining and yet be frightening and, and, and you know, sad and, and all of these things at once. Um, can I ask you a question since you brought that up? Uh, have you approached yeah. Moore? I haven't, but other people have on my behalf, and he has made public statements that he uh, does not believe Scientology should be uh, picked on, that somebody like Tom Cruise, it's their face, and, and so he's not interested in, in looking at that at all. That doesn't make a lot of um, sense to me, but okay. It, it doesn't, but I have to respect that. Well, to, uh, you have to respect, but at the same time, here's a guy who is all about ex exposed truth disclose, expose, yet he's not interested in, in, like I said, possibly one of the most powerful mafias in our country, an underworld of criminal activity, human trafficking, terrible crimes being committed. And at the same time, like I said, the, the icing on the cake, the candle, is this tax-exempt status, which is allowing them, like, I, like we were talking offline, I used to work for a gentleman, and this is news to you too, Mark, uh, I used to work for a gentleman named Richie Acunto, and I didn't know who Richie Acunto was. And I was working at a, a small Internet company that he had uh, financed. And when we started the company, these were all guys that broke away from Universal, um, from Fox. I had broken away from Fox. And one of my friends called me and said, hey, you know what? Uh, we're starting this company. It's called Trick Media, and it's in right now in this guy's garage in Beverly Hills. And I'm like, that's the weirdest thing I ever heard of. And he said, you know what? Come down and interview. 
and I interviewed with these heavyweights that I really respected at Universal Online. And they said, name your price. They needed a, to be honest with you, they needed a Jewish project manager because they had some heavyweight clients, um, Seagram's and the Bronfman's, uh, Bronfman's uh, associations uh, and nonprofits and such. Uh, and they wanted someone that would be able to really be on the level with some of those uh, characters that you had to meet with in New York and such to you know lock these things in. Make a long story short, I show up at this mansion uh, owned by a guy named Richie Acunto. Who is Richie Acunto, I find out later, but a guy who is on the board or a higher up on the Church of Scientology. Uh, he also owned a company called Survival Insurance, which, oh, ev- yeah. which everyone in Los Angeles knows. It was one of these rinky-dink, you know, how do I get insurance really quick and I just want liability kind of thing. Um, and he did his own commercials. He was this kind of Italian uh, tough guy. And I would see him around sometimes. I never even was in the same room with the guy, but he had this presence. So sure enough, I'm walking by one of his offices one day, and I see a huge picture uh, frame of a mothership on his wall, a, a saucer. And I said to myself, that is absolutely bizarre. There's the, <laughs> it was just so weird. And I'm into the subject personally. I, I, I love that stuff. But I, I walked back to my boss and I said, I just saw something really strange. And he said to me, hey, you know what? Leave that alone. And I said, what do you mean leave it alone? Don't you think that's weird? You know, I, was, I thought it was just kind of funny. Sure enough, uh, he was working on the other side of the building with a lot of people that happened to be in the church, and I did not know this. That's where my interest level peaked, and I started going to Operation Clambake and some of these other really good sites pre-Rinder um, and some of the other people coming out. The point being is that uh, I came back into work later in that week with some websites to show people and said, you wouldn't believe what these people think. This is some really r- wacky stuff. Again, somebody pulled me aside and said, trust me, you do not want to mess with these guys. Mm. And from a physical presence, Akunto, I never met the man. I just saw him in passing and such. He did not look like a guy I wanted to mess with. And that's just my own little personal story. But here's, here's where it, 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 it ends is that I was just researching Akunto for giggles before this interview, Mark. And I find out that not only did he donate $10 million to the Church of Scientology this past year, but he went bankrupt right afterwards. Right, right. There, there's uh, some really good articles about uh, the uh, downfall of survival insurance and uh, uh, Scientology's involvement in that. Right. So from uh, an economics uh, standpoint, you can say, oh, uh, these are some crazy Ponzi-type schemes where people can donate massive amounts of money to the church and then go bankrupt. Right. I mean, that in itself is enough. Hello, where are the politicians? What are they yeah. doing? Uh, well, and, and, I, I'm, I'm of the belief now that the, the most important thing is to just keep spreading the word and let people know, um, you know what Scientology believes, but more importantly, how the Church of Scientology behaves. And that's my main goal, because uh, the film is essentially about freedom of religion in America. And I believe you can, you can have any beliefs that you want, but you can't behave any way you choose. And and the way corporate Scientology behaves is criminal in many cases. And if the government's not going to do anything about it, it's up to us to do about it. Uh, and I know what I'm up against. Uh, uh, my friend Bob Minton was a retired uh, investment banker who I saw 
you know, brought to his knees by Scientology. I saw the worldwide global assault that they aimed at Bob. And, and Tell me what uh, happened to him. Tell me what they did to him. Well, very briefly. I, I, I mean, they everywhere he went, there were PIs. Um, they they investigated his business partners. They they followed his kids around from school. They they um they attacked him through the courts with everything that they had and bled him dry. I tell you, uh, they know lawyers. They know lawyers. They know the legal system better than anyone I've ever seen. Listen, here's here's where we have to end this. I want to give Jefferson the last word here, Mark. People go to Mark's site, zenutv.com. Give him some money to help for this film. And Michael Moore, I know you listen to some of these shows. Help him out. Are you kidding me? This is right up your alley, kiddo. And don't be afraid. By the way, the film is being funded entirely by contributions from people around the world. And you can go to my site, click through to Indiegogo.com and contribute whatever you're... We got a minute left. I got to give Jefferson the last word. Jefferson, last word. What is going to happen to Scientology in 2012 and 2013? In your opinion? Well, you know, I, I think you're going to see a continuation of this mass exodus of people from Scientology as they find out what really goes uh, on behind the scenes. And I don't think uh, that Scientology is going to really be defeated in the legal arena. Mm. I think they're going to be defeated because their money eventually is going to dry up and this whole criminal enterprise will have no funding. I'm just curious what's going to happen with all these movie stars. I really believe that a lot of them at this point have to be afraid. And I have to sit and think to myself, if you're listening, TC or Bart Simpson or one of these heroes of mine and one of my, you know, I'm a fan. How do you sleep at night? How do you sleep at night? You watch these videos, hundreds of people coming out talking about some of the most horrible things you've ever heard in your life. Not being able to talk to your mother, uh, being labeled as an SP, which we didn't even get to. But if you want to learn more about that, just watch the crazy Tom Cruise video that we all remember from, what was it, two years ago now? Yeah, yeah. Listen, we're running out of time. I think this program at least did the following. Woke people up to the fact that there are things going on within this country that are absolutely obscene. That's what we do on this program. Am I afraid now to go home? Well, if I attract more attention to this program through that, then so be it. That's what we do here. And if you're mad as hell like I am, you don't fear the truth. Thanks to my guests, Jefferson Hawkins, one of my heroes. Pick up his book, Counterfeit Dreams. This is Jesse Singer. Klugman will be back next week with one of his monologues that will blow your mind. Till then, we'll see you next Saturday. Take care. Come on.